Welcome back to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. Every week we dive into juicy topics for women navigating the business arena, leadership, and their personal self-development. We reframe business and life with a more feminine lens to help women find more fulfillment, freedom, and success. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Laura Schutt-Guzvon. Today, we thought we would continue to talk about sort of this unprecedented moment in history that we're all in, and we wanted to really frame it for parenting in this new age, because I feel like you know, there's a lot of people struggling with different aspects of, you know, social isolation, social distancing, being in their homes. And so there's all kinds of sort of new issues that we're navigating. But I feel like parents are especially experiencing challenges. And as an article I read earlier this week said, parents are not okay. <laughs> I thought that was a good place to start. What do you think, Laura? (laughs) I love that article title. They nailed it on that one. (laughs) I think that that is the overall message that I'm getting from my clients and my friends. Like, this is not okay. This is difficult. Um, I think that what helps me is knowing that I'm not alone and that this is not a failing of my own or (laughs) some sort of inadequacy. It is a big challenge for all of us to go from working with many of us in offices, in private spaces with our clients while children are at school or in daycares. And then all of a sudden for everyone to be home together is really uh, a lot for us to navigate. And so I'm glad that we're talking about this topic because if anything, um, hopefully listeners will just be able to say, oh my goodness, I'm not alone. Yeah, exactly. And I can't promise you that we're going to have like the most amazing strategies. And I think this is, you know, kind of the sentiment of the article that I read as well. Like, you know, we just need to recognize that this is what we are navigating, that we're not okay, and that we're doing the best we can. And I think so much of this situation for parents, especially, is just about loosening the reins, letting go of expectations that we are super parents, and that we can be teacher and mother and father and worker and, you know, whatever, playmate and every single thing that our child needs. And we need and the world needs, and our clients need. Like, that's just an an impossibility. And I think letting go of some of the expectations and the stress that those expectations creates is a great place to start. I 100% agree. It's a change of expectation. And what's really important is that we write ourselves a big, fat permission slip to shift those expectations that we're placing on ourselves. It's really interesting. I just had a client call this week where... I was encouraging her to shift her work schedule and she was still doing the nine to five. And I asked her, are you, is your boss still asking you to show up online from nine to five? And she said, well, not explicitly. I don't think that that's the expectation, but I know they're looking and running reports on what we're getting done every day. And so I think that if you started to talk with your boss a little bit about shifting. Maybe I started at 11 and I work a little bit later because I need the morning to, you know, do my self-care and take care of different things in the, the house. Um, and, you know, she hadn't even thought of that really because it was her own expectation. She was like, no, but 
I need to keep my structure. I need to keep this nine to five. But when she realized that that was her own, she was imposing it upon herself, that she most likely could talk to her boss. And that's what I want to remind everyone. There's actually a lot of permission out there. People do understand, companies understand, bosses understand that it's not business as usual. And so you can shift these expectations. But I find that we ourselves are kind of the last one standing around that. Like we're still holding that expectation very strongly for ourselves. Yes, 100%. And, you know, I mean, like I've advised my clients that a two-hour workday, a two-hour productive time in a workday is like good. Like that's like good. That's the new expectation. If you get two productive hours in a day, check, check. You know, if you get two hours in a day and you have kids, like a quadruple check. You know, like I think this is the kind of sort of shifting and expectation we've got to make. And I know like it's hard for me as well to let go of, you know, the same schedule or the schedule I had before. And I'm realizing that, you know, even if it's not navigating the kids or navigating my clients or navigating the uproar of the world, right, that in so many ways, I need so much more processing time, so much more space. Like, I cannot hold as many clients as I used to hold in a day. Like, it's just not possible. And it's not like technically my work situation has changed. I'm still at home. I'm still online. I'm still doing the same things I've been doing, but I don't have the capacity in this environment to hold things in the way that I used to and giving myself permission to honor that, to stretch things out, to simplify things, to just get less done. Like I've put tons of things on the shelves to just be like, those projects, I don't have the capacity. Those things, I don't have the capacity. And I think we have to start with ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, it's really nice too that we are starting to see some shift in cultural norms. And what we've talked about a lot is how, you know, oh, it's really hard being a working parent that, you know, the expectations are that you don't have your kid at work or you don't have. And what we can see now is that people have stopped apologizing about their kids being in their video before is like, oh, shoot, everyone leave me alone. Now we get on and we're like, heads up kids going to need me to log them into their Zoom session in 20 minutes, <laughs> and most likely. And like today, my son came and gave me a hat. And everyone <laughs> in the group call that was with me, they're like, oh, we love your hat, you know. <laughs> and it's kind of neat that that cultural shift is happening because we've had these compartmentalized ways of being, especially in the United States, where family exists over here and work and women, we've been like juggling this forever. And it's like those lines are constantly blurred for us, but we've been pretending like they're not. And so if we actually look at what's happening, we get to be transparent. Yes, I have kids at home. I'm trying to work. And there's memes now about it. And there's kind of this opening that curtain a little bit to look behind. So we are not hiding and pretending like we've just got it all together. Yes. I love that. It's so true. And, you know, to me, that brings up another thing that I'm seeing that I think is also really important. And I feel like there is a lot of people who are experiencing their partners at home and they're still not asking for help. Like this is what I'm seeing with a lot of women is that they're still trying to take the role of like, I'm navigating a business and I'm still primary teacher and I'm still mom and I'm still, you know, and they're not actually going to their partners and asking for help or asking for what they need or asking for support or asking for space. And I'm watching it a lot. And sometimes the excuse I get for the women that I talk to is, oh, my husband could never do that. 
He doesn't have the patience to do that. He doesn't have the ability to be a teacher. There's no way I'm asking him to do that. He can't do that. And I think, well, this is the moment that we're asking everyone to step up, right? Like I'm asking my teenager to step up. I, You know, like we're asking our partners to step up. Like this is a family team now. Like and especially if you're cooped up in the house together, it has to be a family team. We can't sort of run things that are business as usual. And I think that I'm still seeing a lot of women over own everything in the house, over own their business and all the other things they have to navigate and just not ask for more agreements and not ask for more permission. And so that's something to consider as well if you're a parent is, you know, are you asking for equal load between you and your partner? I admit that I definitely find myself still over-functioning for my teenager and for my husband. And I can see it happening and I'm thinking, well, and just the other day it happened because I had a plan. See, this is my overfunctioning. sometimes is my attachment and trying to stay in control of something. So I had a plan with the dishes and I had the dishwasher that was going and then I had some dishes in the sink and then I'd ask my teenager to clean off the counter. So I had this whole thing. And then in the middle of it, my husband comes in and starts hand washing the dishes that are in the kitchen sink that I'd actually prepped to go in the dishwasher because I'm kind of being this weird where I have to have everything in heat. <laughs> and I was like, those are supposed to be in the dishwasher. And so here was my husband coming home from work, thinking that he was helping me with the dishes. And he got like the, the angry, like, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> I've got a system. I leave it alone. <laughs> I know. And and I think that really says a lot for where we're at right now. We have to redefine our roles, right? And we also have to give ourselves permission not to be every role. Like my husband and I are just not going to be the teacher. Like we're, we're, we're doing the best to support our five-year-old, you know, with, you know, some, dis, you know, distance education, you know, some support and like a lot of play and, you know, but like, we just don't have the capacity, the capability, the, yeah, we just can't do it. Like we're, that's not our role. And you can see it in the way that she reacts, right? Like it, it's school. She loves school and she loves every minute of it. And she's great with the teachers and the teachers love her and it's all good here. It's resistance, 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 because we are not teachers. We're not the teachers. You know, and I think giving ourselves permission to redefine roles in this time period, giving ourselves permission to not take on roles if we don't want to, like, I think that's really something we have to look at and have to consider right now. Yeah. And that's a big one, you know, education for a lot of parents. It's so hard to feel like we could be letting our kids down in some way or that they would get behind. But the reality is that kids are so amazing in their resiliency and they are like sponges and different age groups. Cause I know I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that mine's six and we're doing a lot of um, colors and words and play can be a lot, a big part of his education. My teenager being 18, like she's got it. She, I don't even have to, I wouldn't even be able to help her if I tried. Yeah. And you know, I was like, <laughs> I don't remember that part of physics or math anymore. Um, but you know, that, I've had to let go of even worrying about my six-year-old and thinking, oh, is he going to start off first grade in the fall behind? Maybe, but so is everyone else. I mean, they're yes. probably the teachers in first grade next year. I was already thinking like, they're going to have this whole, like, let's do half of kindergarten over again for all yes. of these kids or half of whatever the previous year was because everyone's going to be in the same boat. And actually it's interesting. This impact on our kids could mean that it boosts their learning because they're stepping out of habitual patterns of ways of learning 
and being in a different place. And so we don't have to worry as much, I think, about them as we do and just trust that the way that they're learning, the way that they're discovering things, it's all going to serve them at some point. And I think that's the biggest role that I've had to let go is the teacher role, because that is just not, um, it's not my forte. (laughs) It's like, I would never have chosen to be a homeschool mom because I know that. I know that. And I have (laughs) friends who were amazing. They were, they're such great teachers and, um, yeah. And they would be able to, to totally knock this out of the ballpark, but yeah, I'm not that one. (laughs) Me neither. I have always said from day one, I will not ever homeschool. I love the principle of it, the idea of it. I love people who do it. I've had friends who homeschooled all of their kids. Like, I think it's amazing and reward and like cheer to all of you who do that. Um, I cannot, I can't, I'm not that person. And I've always known it and I've just owned it. And I've just found really good schools with really amazing curriculum to, (laughs) to be that for my kids. But yeah, it's just, it's just not me. And and I think, you know, that's part of it is that we're we're all – and I, this is what I feel from parents specifically is that parents are really trying so hard to create this perfect environment for their kids to, you know, to be okay with everything, to be the rock, to be every role they need, to make sure every bit of their needs are satisfied, right? Like, you know, at least those who are privileged enough to even have the capacity for that. We really are trying to do that. And the thing is, is that I, we're really overcompensating, you know, and we're we're trying to make sure they have a social schedule on Zoom or whatever, like all these things, right, that we're trying to do. And and I think we need to let our children be bored, right? We need to let our children cry. We need to let our children feel grief. You know, these are all – I can see us as parents getting into the patterns that we talk about as adults, right? Avoiding feeling, avoiding integration, like getting busy and just trying to compensate for whatever's there. I mean, we're all grieving in one way or another. The world is grieving in one way or another. And there is amazing beauty and benefits and pros to what we're experiencing, but also there is grief, there is disconnection, there is fear, there is all those things that we need to have permission to feel, and so do our kids. Yeah, and I love that, Sonia, and it makes me think about really if there's any education to be focused on right now, it's emotional and sensory education. (laughs) What are you feeling in your body and what those emotions look like, feel like? You know, I, I think you're so right on something that's why it's agitating us so much is that our generation of parents are used to being able to provide a lot of protection from the hurts of the world. And we want our children to always feel connected and feel supported and feel like they've got, yeah, their social friends. And there's always this wanting to kind of hold them in in, um, soft gloves. And our children are inheriting a world and we're seeing it change right before our eyes that is not always going to be easy to be in. And they need to trust themselves. They need that ability to hurt and repair and self-soothe. Like that is something they need to learn even more so probably than we did. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, it's so interesting because I've always said that who I am today is because of all the hardship I've went to, because I've experienced so much pain. I am capable of experiencing so much joy and so much feeling and so much integration. And, you know, and, and so I know all that pain etched me. It made me who I am, right? It carved me, it crafted me. And yet I still don't want my children to experience it. Like, even though I know they need pain, they need challenge, they need disappointment, they need all of that to really cultivate themselves as a being, man, it's so hard as a parent to allow it. So hard. And the more empathic of a parent you are oh. and you feel your your children's discomfort, but you're like, let's breathe. Yes, mommy is <laughs> trying to reset herself here <laughs> so yeah. I can handle feeling your pain so that you can allow yourself to feel your pain. But yes, it's such a powerful thing. And I'm, I'm and you've just reminded me of it. And I'm feeling a little bit more um, connected to that leaving our, you know, time together and going and spending time with my son today. I'm going to look for those opportunities to let him sit a bit longer in the boredom to feel. And there's been a lot of emotions. He's been a very emotional, more so than what we normally see, because they are, our children are not liking that everything has changed and they don't have any control over it. So they're going to get more grumpy and they're going to cry over things that you think, why are they so upset? So I've just been really trying to hold as much space for that. I think what's really important if you're feeling like, oh gosh, sometimes it's hard when my kid is so emotional or having these tantrums, what am I supposed to do? But really the best thing we can do is just send that message. It's okay to feel what you feel. And if they're being aggressive or they're hurting their siblings or they're being too loud, you know, you just say, sounds like you need a quiet space. It sounds like you need your alone space. So here's a place that you can be and now be everything that you need to be in that space, like giving them some direction, but then being like, feel what you need to feel and then come get me when you need to connect, you know, when you need me again or you need a hug. But most of the time they're going to be pushing you away and really emotional and kind of upsetting the whole family. But that's when you don't shame them. You actually just bring it in and validate and be like, of course you feel this way and go over here and feel it because your sister trying to do her homework. And, you know, so there's still ways you can set those directions, I think. Yeah. And it just, it just reminds me too, that I think we need to validate that. Like, so I'm seeing a lot of couples, right. And marriages are really strained at the moment in this environment. Throw in a few kids, right? You're navigating quite a dynamic where everybody is locked into the house pretty much, you know, walk here and there, a grocery trip here and there. You're pretty much in the house together 24-7, not knowing really what to do. Not everyone has a huge amount of structure, or at least the structure looks different. Like every dynamic you have, every pattern you have, every trigger you have, welcome to it because like that's what's happening and I'm watching this with my clients as well is that you know even though I know I do a lot of business stuff but I also do a lot of emotional and self-development work with them as well and all of their stuff is up right now right they're living in a household and all their triggers are present and it's like you know whether it's their parents they're living with their parents to help their older parents whether it's they've got kids and they're navigating their kids whether they're just navigating a partner whether they're navigating a sibling like whatever it is 
kids, the people in their house is such an intense dynamic. It's like that amount of intensity has increased. So whatever you used to be able to manage it by going out and drinking with your friends or, you know, going out and having a day without the kids or the kids going to school, you used to manage the triggers. Now they are every day, every minute, all the time. And we have to come up with different strategies and different ways to navigate them. Because what I'm seeing is everybody is, their capacity is gone and they're, they don't have enough of that pressure, you know, valve release. And so, you know, then of course we're all melting down. We're getting in fights. We're getting angry with our, you know, partners, kids, ourselves, whatever that looks like, you know. And so we have to start to think that this is intense period, and validate that. Yes, yes. And I'm just going to have to put my somatic therapist hat on here for just a second and remind everyone that energy discharge is very important right now based on what you said about like, there's the bottle that's just the lid is on really tight. And it's like somebody shaking it. And we all know what's going to happen when you let that lid off. And that's when we lose our temper and we say things we wish we wouldn't said to our partner or to our kids. So our job right now is, is to be mindful of when we feel that shaking of that bottle, like we're just about to, you know, lose it. And that just means that energy needs to be released. And so things that we can do within our self-quarantine where you don't even have to leave the house is like go somewhere for a minute. If you can get to a room alone and just if you have a lot of emotions and you feel tears like brimming, please don't push those back. Those are a beautiful gift. The body loves to release energy through tears and people have so much self-judgment about I'm being weak right now. Or I'm like, you can't see me crying, but crying is your best friend right now as far as nervous system re-regulation. So allowing time to cry. And if your kids see you and say, what's, what's wrong, mom? I just went and had a good cry. I just really needed to get that energy out my body and I feel better. And so then you're also sharing for them, right? That it's okay. And then another one is movement. And if you can't get outside the best movement, get outside in nature, walk around your block, whatever you can, whatever you're allowed to do in your city mandate, you know, go move your body because moving our body shifts that energy and it'll just shift our mood most of the time. That's why we like a good cardio workout. If you can't get outside, go do jumping jacks or a yoga flow sequence in oh. your room. Right? I'll tell you, like the I've been using this app, the Glow app, which is yeah. amazing. Yay, and like, they've got meditation and they've got Pilates and they've got yoga. And you can pretty much look up anything you need help with, right? Anger. And they'll all these things will pop up for anger. Or um, yin. I'm really into yin stuff right now. And so I can look up yin stuff and all these things come up for yin. And just amazing teachers like from the Omega Institute and like, you know, like the best teachers in the world. And I'm using it. Like, no joke, like multiple, multiple times a day, like five minutes, you can put in a time period that you want. So if I just have five minutes, I'll just do a five minute meditation. Or if I have 15 minutes, I'll do a 15 minute meditation. If I have an hour, I'll do an hour class. But those things matter so much because every time I do a five minute meditation, I release some of that pressure. And so I think, you know, we're not thinking of all these things we can do. And what I'm also seeing is that, 
you know, I mean, uh, there's varying degrees of what we're all having to deal with, right? And of course, I am definitely privileged in so many, many, many ways. And I'm feeling the guilt of that as well, right? Like I have a partner who isn't working right now. And so he can absolutely support with the parenting. I have a teenager. Not everybody has a teenager in their house that can support with parenting. You know, like, so I've got these things. And, but I think depending on where you're at, you know, the single parents are really struggling the most. They, especially if they have no one else in their house, but them and their kids. Can you imagine, Laura? Can you remember when we were Back single parents? Oh, oh my, God. my gosh. I mean, I would have, I'd probably have been on Zoom with you every day to just yeah. be like, can we co-parent like, right go. now? Just talk to my kid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, incra- it's crazy. And and I think sometimes what happens is we we get into the victimness or the struggle and we say we don't have time. Our kids don't go to bed till 9.30, like I'm exhausted and I don't have time to release pressure. But what I have been seeing is this true of all of us, and I'm guilty too, is that we choose things like Netflix or alcohol or, you know, we choose things that actually – kind of tamp in that pressure versus release it. And we can always find five minutes. We'll go to the bathroom and tell the kids, I'm going to the bathroom for five minutes. Oh, I love right? that one. And was like, where are you yeah. going, mom? I'm going to the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you know, so, like, I don't know no, about you, but like, my kids think I have some my issues. <laughs> or I'm meditating. I'm just hiding. My hiding yeah, totally. place. <laughs> oh my god, me too. And everyone thinks like, "Wow, you spent a, like my little one would be like, you spent a lot of time in the bathroom." <laughs> <laughs> I'm coping, honey. I'm coping. <laughs> That's a great. There's probably a skit on that one. That one's so sure. funny. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's the piece we have to look at is that we can choose some strategies, you know, but back to the single parent thing. If any of you know a single parent, please reach out to them, see what they need, bring them groceries, bring them food, bring them ice cream, like dump it on their porch, like whatever you have to do. But like, I really am feeling wipe the it down. pain. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah, to wipe it down, make sure you've, you know, use gloves. But you know, like there is ways that you can support the sanity of a single parent who is not like a single person who might be going insane on their own as well, not being able to talk to people or be around people or hug people or all of those things. But a single parent is being drained 24-7 by the care of that little one. And, you know, that is really, really tough. And I think we've got to understand that, like, there's a lot of people that are not coping well right now. Yeah. Yes. And I actually did get a reminder um, – from, I think it was one of my, um, I think it was my pediatrician's office just sent out some articles and things about being at home with kiddos. And, and it said, you know, one thing to really remember is a, um, a mandatory quiet time for everyone in the house. And, um, and it made me, you know, I was like shocked to realize, oh, wait, I totally got rid of quiet time. And he does that at school every day. Every day they have quiet time. He doesn't sleep anymore. He doesn't take his nap. But a teacher turns down the lights after lunch. They all lay on their nap mats. And he has to play alone and quietly for a little bit of that time. And he's used to that. He does it Monday through Friday. And guess what? I have not been taking advantage of. (laughs) Like, I've just been going. We have lunch. And then I'm like, oh, we need to go outside. And we need to do this. And I'm just like constantly feeling like I need to entertain him when I am with him. And I'm not taking advantage of like actually teaching him the ebb and the flow into rest. And so if you find yourself like thinking, gosh, I am exhausted. I never can rest really teaching 
our children. And I know it's harder with the young ones, but most of them, if they are like my child, who's been in daycare since he was two, then they've been taking naps. They take nap time. And that's like normal for them to, to have that in their daily flow. And so that might be, um, and so one mom was saying that article, it's like, that's my time to go watch an inspirational video. That was like her time to just go and get a moment and drink her own tea alone and read something or watch something that inspired her. And she's like, oh, thank God that I started doing quiet time in my house. So I'm going to start that. I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm going to start it. <laughs> We've tried. So it hasn't been very successful so far. Yours is like, but I'm not at school and there are no nap mats. <laughs> That's exactly. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting as well. Like, and so it comes back, you know, so much of parenting, I feel, comes back to ourselves first, right? Like we really have to look at what we're doing. Where is our capacity? Where is our understanding of where we're at? Because if we aren't first handling ourselves, how can we expect our kids to be okay and for us to be able to support and handle them? And I think that, you know, we're uh, like, I feel like we're managing our kids so much before we manage ourselves and we really have to come back to managing ourselves first. Yes. Yes. Let's underline that one and circle it in red. (laughs) I'm going to put it on, everyone go write it and put it on your refrigerators, put it on your bathroom mirror. Yes. If we don't give ourselves permission to take care of ourselves, and this comes back to something we've all learned as parents, that to put that oxygen mask on first allows us to help our children and to help those around us. And so in this time, if you're not getting enough self-care, if you're not doing things for your own capacity, it's actually, it's, it's the opposite of selfish, because if anything, this is the time to be self-preserving, self-sustaining so that you can be there for your family and then eventually be there for your neighbors and for your community. When we come out of the isolation and we start to interact again, you're going to need all this work that you've done, this inner work and this inner capacity that you've built up. And I think we have to shift the script on that because we think of it in our culture as like kind of this selfish thing to put ourselves first before our family or to take time to go take that long bath when everybody else needs us to do something. But it's actually the thing that's going to make the difference in the long run that gives us the ability to be there for our kids. Yeah, so it's like so true and so hard to practice as well. Like. <sighs> You know, I think so many of us want to control things. Are we, you know, and I'm like one of the things I'm experiencing is I want my partner to manage the kids the way that I would, right? Like, you know, and and so I'm constantly like butting in to the situation when it's not even my turn. Like I'm working and I come out to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden like I'm in the middle of the whole family dynamic trying to like, hey, do this, honey. Hey, honey, like little ones, do this. And like trying to manage the situation. And, you know, I'm trying to get better about walking away from that to recognize like I've got to allow them to manage it on their own. Even if everyone ends up in a meltdown, even if anyone cries, they've got to learn to sort out some of their own dynamics. So I don't know about you, but I know that there's a lot of women out there who were still trying to manage it all. And, you know, that is just too hard. Like our partners need to be responsible adults and handle things. They need to be parents, right? They're, you know, so like sometimes I'll hear parents say, well, I'm, you know, not a teacher. No, but you're a parent, 
right? Like you're a parent. So just be a parent. And, you know, and our kids need to step up as well. And so there's all this stuff that I think we need to become more aware of to see what what are we playing? What dynamics are we adding to in the family and adding to in this situation? And can we just let go? Like this is one of the things that I'm exploring in a lot of ways right now because we have this brilliant opportunity to actually let go, to to stop, to breathe, to pause. Like, and we talk about this, but I don't see many people really, really doing it. And especially parents who are navigating so many things, they're still trying to create the same routine for their kids and happiness. And, you know, there's all these things like we're not really taking the moment to let go. And that's really what I feel like we all need. Like we have to let go, let go of expectations, let go of the parenting roles, let go of the teacher role, let go of like our kids being not on iPads for too long in a day, let go of like needing to make sure they get plenty of time outside in the sunshine. Like that's great if that's what they want, if they're willing and, you know, but like I think we have to just let go of all of the structure and expectations and feel in the moment what is here and what is pliable, if you will, right? Like what, like that's what I've been trying to think of with my five-year-old is what is she willing to do? She doesn't want to do school. So what is she willing to do? What is she interested in? Where is she at right now that I can support her right now? And I think we've got to do that for all of us. Oh, I love that. It's such a great reminder. And it also makes me think of what we're doing for our families by like, or for ourselves is that by letting, trusting and letting go, we learn that we're okay, even in the midst of everything changing, right? So that's modeling for our children, teaching our children and teaching us that we can, we can like let it all fall around us and we're still okay. And we're still going to come up out of those ashes and we're going to have a new structure. We're going to have a different way of being together, but holding on, being too scared to let go of those structures, that's what causes us more angst, more pain, more energy that's like trapped there. And the sooner that we can release the control, let go. And I love what you said about like, let our families figure some of their own dynamics out. You know, yes, we have to intervene at times, but like the siblings are getting really aggressive with each other or something, but for the most part, are you giving them time though? Are you giving them time to sort it out, find their dynamics? And it's the same thing with the, the whole family. Are we all just allowing ourselves to kind of find our footing you know, by letting it all shift and crumble in a good way? It can be a good thing to let things, I mean, we all know the cycle of life, to let things go, to let things die, to let things release and shift and transform means that there's something new is possibly coming on the other side. Yeah. And this is the opportunity we have right now. So we'll probably wrap up for today. I just want all of you parents to know we feel you, right? You are good enough. You can let go of it all. You know, you're a good enough parent because you love your kids. It doesn't matter what you do. And I think, you know, we just want you to know we hear you. We feel you. We're here to support you. And you got this. And we're all going to make it through this successfully. Absolutely. Okay. See you all next week. 
If you have a service business, I can help. I know many of you are feeling fear, worry, or confusion about how to pivot your business and survive these times. I'm in my third decade of helping women navigate challenging business situations. These are unprecedented times and we need to think quickly, be creative, and stay strategic to navigate them and come through successfully on the other side. If you are struggling right now and need help, I can help you in one of my many coaching programs that have been developed for just this form of crisis. You don't have to do it alone. I can quickly help you look at where you need to put your attention so that you can financially remain stable. Go to sonyastatman.com or womeninthebusinessarena.com for support. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Women in the Business Arena. We'd love to welcome you into our community. Come join the Women in the Business Arena Facebook group. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about me and my work, you can find me at sonyastatman.com. See you next week.